Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm feeling much better this time, so I'm going to give you guys, uh, I'm going to bounce back and give you guys a little bit more energy here. Chaz here, and I'm accompanied by the crew, so the crew is here with you. Richard, how's it going? Hey, everyone. What's going on? Seth, what's going on? What is going on, guys? All right, so on the docket for today, we are going to talk about the recent Star City Open in uh, Louisville. Uh, A lot of uh, controversy and talk about where Modern is right now, um, and that leads to what is going to happen in April. Uh, Then we are going to shift our focus to the announcement of Conspiracy. Uh, a return of conspiracy, uh, as everyone knows, uh, cons- the first uh, conspiracy set is more geared towards drafting, um, uh, you know, uh, casual and commander uh, players and, and just players from all walks of uh, Magic the Gathering. So it should be interesting and we'll get our thoughts on that. And then we're going to shift into uh, something that I was talking about all morning and something that I think should be brought up and might get a little uh, interesting is the push for a new format. And we're going to talk about eternal and it's a grassroots uh community uh movement that has started and a lot of people are starting to get support so we're going to get our thoughts about that and close up the cast with some fish mail uh let's get right to it uh so modern uh the modern open in louisville uh what did you guys think and uh i i know richard did you watch any of it or no uh, I watched some of the matches, some of the okay. uh, crazy. So we all, yeah, we all caught a little bit, a good chunk of it. So um, I guess just real quick, overall thoughts about what happened, Richard. Uh, so the breakout deck, UW Eldrazi, just crushed. Uh, it, it was actually pretty interesting because before this weekend, like everyone was on the CFB Eldrazi list, and I was playing a lot of modern leagues online, and that list kind of sucked. Like if you don't get hit by Chalice on one, that deck has a lot of terrible cards. Uh, you know, you, you're top decking chalices, Simeon Spirit Guides, and just like random garbage. I played Jund, and you can just turn to Bob and grind them out. That wasn't scary. But now, people are playing like playable cards. People are playing Path to Exile, Drowner of Hope, Eldrazi Skyspawner. These, these cards are actually very hard to deal with. So the Eldrazi deck suddenly got a lot scarier, right? It, it's not as all in on beating, uh, you know, like burn and stuff like that. Uh, but it's gotten a lot more resilient. And just Aljazi Displacer uh, is just gross with the uh, Scion producers. So uh, it's pretty scary, and Aljazi are definitely here, and uh, they've taken over Modern. Seth, what'd you think? Oh, man, this format is so broken. Like, I <laughs> I figured out the, the numbers. I don't have them in front of me, but something like 87% of the top 15 decks were either Affinity or Eldrazi and like 75% of the top 32 decks. So we basically have a, a two-deck format. Yes, there's there's some one-ofs, like Kiki Cord showed up. That might just be because Jeff Hoogman is really good at playing Kiki Cord. Like, no one else puts up results with that deck. Uh, there's a Merfolk deck, uh, a Jun deck, a Blue Moon deck. But if you look down the list, it is just all Eldrazi, and it's mostly the blue-white build, which... Uh, that build is oppressive. Like, if you haven't, I've ran into it a few times in the Magic Online queues, and the ability to repeatedly blink Thought Not Seer on uh, someone's draw step is pretty much game ending. Like, if they get enough mana, they can blink it two or three times. They basically basically can ensure that you draw land every turn for the rest of the game. So it it is just, it is very good. It has a lot of inevitability, and I am almost 100% sure that it will be banned come April. I think we got to put up with it for six six more weeks, but I can't imagine them letting this go on uh, past the Shadows over Innistrad update. So while they're not 
going to issue an emergency ban. Um, and I thought us as a you know crew as you know on this podcast have been pretty tame when it comes to uh, where what modern needs to do, what's going to be banned, and 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 we definitely did take the you know wait and see approach. The unfortunate thing is the wait and see approach is Eldrazi. Like <laughs> there's there's no really way around it. Uh, I, I know uh, a, a modern writer, Sheridan, they have a metagame breakdown from the 2nd of February to the 22nd, and Aldrazi comes in at a metagame percentage of 30.3%, and the second place deck in Affinity is 10.3%. Well, so, sounds like Affinity uh, needs to be hit with uh, with a man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting? Sam Black was at the SCG event, and he ran into one Aljazi deck the entire T of day one, and people are saying the Aljazi deck was about 8% of the field, and most people are speculating. Uh, people don't want to buy into the format. Like, if you don't own the Aljazi deck, like, why buy these cards that will get banned? So people were kind of just, you know, playing their normal deck, so it looked like a normal metagame. However, uh, day two rolls around, and uh, like half the decks are Eldrazi decks, so they had yeah. an insane win percentage. Even though they were a small portion of the field day one, they were a gigantic portion of day two. And then uh, we saw the results of the top 32. It's mostly Eldrazi. So uh, people are hesitant to buy into the deck, but the people that have the deck are kind of just crushing uh, the competition. Yeah. 48% was day two Eldrazi. It's kind of nuts. Speaking of Sam Black, and he's kind of on the we can beat Eldrazi side of things. And there's other pros that are in that field. Like, there's a big split between the pro community. Uh, some people, uh, Matt Sperling has been one of the most vocal as in support of an immediate banning, at least by Shadows of Innistrad. Others say they can beat it. And I just wanted to point out that one of the problems is, yes, the pros might be able to beat it. Like, Sam Black has a sponsorship. Uh, he is a pro player. He can build a deck for a GP that he thinks will beat Eldrazi. But the average player, like, doesn't have that opportunity. Like, that's where the problem comes in. Yes, if you're a sponsored pro and you can go to uh, your sponsor and get a new deck every week uh, that you've been testing specifically to beat Eldrazi, that's great. And you can probably deal with this metagame to some extent. But if you're the normal player that has a modern deck, you don't have that option. So what do you do? You just, like, don't go to GPs or don't go to your FNM. Uh, because you don't, you can't beat Eldrazi. Like you can't just play the same old deck that you've been playing for the past year and expect to beat Eldrazi. Right, and and, and it basically becomes like the one deck that can beat Eldrazi and just a bunch of Eldrazi decks. I mean, we I, I watched Jeff Hoogland the whole weekend, and and his Kiki Core deck definitely can put up a fight. I think that's partly him playing it though too. Like I don't see anyone right, else right. put up the results that he does with that deck. I right. think it's good, but he knows that deck so well, which is part of, but which is part of yeah, his success. And, and and he was even tweeting out and saying like, yes, I'm doing well. Yes, you know, I I am beating Eldrazi decks, but there's a lot of other. There's some. There's just games where they just flat out draw worse than me. And if people really don't think Eldrazi is a problem, like they're delusional. And I, I think that's coming from you know the one person that was doing well the whole time and. I mean, like I said, you know, the wait-and-see approach is Eldrazi. Like, there's no there's no wait-and-see. It is what it is. And the metagame did shift. It, it shifted to Eldrazi. That's exactly where we are now. And we're in a modern that is, like, some surreal, uh, bizarre... What, what's that show? The Twilight Zone, where <laughs> Affinity is the deck people want to root for. 
No. Well, pe- no. some people, not me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you get, like, you get the, like, you see Affinity in the top eight, and amidst, like, six to, like, five Eldra- other Eldrazi decks, and that's the one deck that's, you know, that breaks up the monotony of the top eight. That's yeah. basically and, all It just goes to show you how broken of a deck Affinity is, right? <laughs> when you don't have a turn four combo kill in the format, like, Affinity hasn't even changed that much. It, it kind of just hung around and just does a thing, and it can still beat Eldrazi, whereas every other deck is falling by the wayside. So I, I think that's actually a bad thing for Affinity. I think it's better for Affinity players if it was just oppressed with everything else, because the minute Eldrazi gets banned, Affinity has, like, a big bullseye on it. I can sit here and be objective. Like, I think something from Affinity will end up going, and, and I'm okay with that. So, you know, you have Affinity that can put up a fight against Eldrazi. So I, I can totally understand that argument as, you know, wh- what does that say about Affinity? And, and I do think that, you know, I, would, I would even, wouldn't even mind in April they just go ahead and throw, like, Opal on there or something like that, where, you know, it's kind of like a preemptive thing of we're getting rid of Eldrazi, but at the same time we know Affinity is basically the next runner-up, so we're going to do something about that too. I would totally be okay with that. And, I, and, I, and this is coming from an Affinity player that, is not going to just be stubborn about it. Like, I understand, like, and, and I, I'm not going to, like, just sit here and lie to say that, you know, Affinity's fine. It's just one of those decks that has survived this long, and and I get, I get that argument. It survived this long, and, you know, at some point it's going to be as or, you know, a little bit less degenerate than Eldrazi, and that's still a huge problem. I, I got to ask Richard, this is, we're on the Eldrazi topic, but off of modern for a minute. I, I know you saw that someone won a legacy 1k with Eldrazi, uh, with an Eldrazi deck and that certain people have been posting their moto results saying they're going ridiculous records, uh, 12 and three or something in leagues with this Eldrazi deck in legacy. Are you expecting this weekend, which is a legacy open or legacy SCG tour event, whatever they call it these days. Are you expecting this to be the breakout of Eldrazi and legacy? Uh, so I've played the Eldrazi deck against it maybe three or four times, and it's been terrible every time I've played it against, so I, I'm not sure what its good matchups are. Um, my guess is it has a good combo matchup, but even then, like, I'm not sure, because it has uh, Trinisphere, and all, it has access to Trinisphere and all of those, um, what do you call them, like, Thalia effects, but a 4-4 that Thought uses you and a 5-5 are nothing. Right, because in Legacy you have Legacy Goyfs, and since they're playing mostly artifacts, your Goyf is guaranteed to be five, six, six, seven. So when you play a fair deck, so Jund or Bug or any of those kind of decks against Aljazi deck, the Aljazi deck doesn't really do anything. So it's not that scary. Uh, they have fast mana, but there are other fast mana decks out there like Twelve Posts and things like that, or the traditional Mud that just plays you know things like Ugin, Karn, Worm Coil. They're much harder to deal with than Aljazi. Uh, so my guess is, like, somehow Thought Nazir gives you a better combo matchup. Uh, but, you know, if you don't get that Chalice on one down, you're probably going to die against combo anyway. So so I'm not too sure, but the fair decks do well against the Aljazi decks. So I don't expect the Aljazi decks to take over the format, but they might become a Tier 2 or Tier 1.5 deck, uh, which is fine. Like, it's not a big deal. But you don't think it's going to be like Modern, where this is the new best deck in Legacy or anything like that? No, no, it, it, it's it's pretty bad. And the drawback of Thought Knots here is uh, a big deal. Like, I had games where we just thaw out, and then uh, they play Thought Knots here, I jace, and I keep minusing their Thought Knots here, and I draw <laughs> cards, and they keep stripping cards, but, 
like it's a non-blue deck. It's, it's going to die eventually, you know, when you top deck a brainstorm and get three new cards. So it, it's not as oppressive as modern. It might become a normal deck, but I'm not convinced it's better than normal mud. Like normal mud and like 12 posts and those other big mana decks are a lot scarier when they're casting Butcher of Truths and um, Emercrawl. Th- those guys are much, much scarier than, you know, a 5-5 reality smasher. Someone was playing Death and Taxes and was playing Eldrazi Displacer. Do you think that could become a thing in Legacy? Like, is Displacer a Legacy good kind of card? Maybe. That's one thing we talked about when these things were originally spoiled, but three mana is a ton, so uh, you need to make good use of that blink effect. So, you, you know, blinking a Stoneforge to get another equipment or something, but I don't know, three mana is a lot. Typically, you don't have three mana just sitting around, and it's only a 3-3. Three, three. It doesn't fly or anything. Uh, so the, the question is, like, what, what do you cut? Are you cutting mind sensors, flicker wisps? Like, what, what are you cutting to put this in the deck? But it, I, I could see it being a thing, especially sideboard tech, uh, you know, for the grindy matchups. But uh, I don't know. I'm not a death and taxes expert. So it, it seems like it could do something, but who knows? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I, I really don't know what to tell people when it comes to modern. <clears throat> I, I would say wait until April because I, I just I, I have a hard time saying anything really is going to change uh, before April. I think the GPs at this point is just a formality. Are you sure, though? Because <laughs> it's possible. I mean, we're probably going to see Eldrazi, but is it going to be blue-white Eldrazi? Or is it going to evolve I mean, some more? blue-white, colorless, blue-red, I mean, whatever, what have you is, you know, it doesn't really matter. It's, something has to go. Have, there, we actually, have we actually had all the combinations? Because there's lots of green versions of Eldrazi, too. Well, maybe, maybe after left? all this time, when they said the blue decks that are being held back by Twin, maybe it was just the blue versions of Eldrazi. <laughs> maybe we should be happy. Slayerton was holding back Eldrazi Skyspawner. <laughs> yeah. It was holding back, yes. Eldrazi Skyspawner and Drowner of Sorrow. I was, Drowner I was of looking- Hope, rather. Drowner of Hope. I was looking through the Goldfish page of Modern, and I'm pretty sure every two-color combination showed up on there. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just trying to think of all the decks I've played against, and I've played against every color. I, 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 I think the only version we're missing is Boros. I actually saw a Boros version on the site, so someone somewhere yeah, went. Yeah, I mean, to like an, an actual finish. Yeah, yeah. I think we're still missing Boros. Although, I mean, Lightning Helix and Eldrazi seems pretty damn good. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but who knows? <laughs> are there any like good Boros Eldrazi? I mean, you still get uh, Displacer. You still get uh, yeah. You get the you get Vile Aggregate. One. Vile Aggregate. Obligator, I mean, all the colors yeah. have been played, so clearly they're Eldrazi. <laughs> every color that are playable. <laughs> you get a Kozilek's Return. I mean, you know, uh, maybe there's something there. But yeah, I mean, so I, I think really the conclusion of Modern is um, I, I would just stay away from the format on a you know local level. Maybe it'll be a little bit better at a GP higher level, but I mean I don't really even think it gets that much better. That gets that much better at that point. So I actually don't think it's that bad. I think thirty percent and play. No, I mean this is like high level play. Like most people are not gonna switch out their decks and like fork over all the money for a new Aldrazi. No, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know maybe you play an Aldrazi deck. It's not. It's not super oppressive. They're good, and sometimes they not draw you and kill you, but it's not like you sit there and scoop immediately. Well, I mean, the sheer, the sheer percentage, I think, is concerning because, I mean, that's like 30% is like worse than like any oppressive deck we've seen in modern. Like, yeah. that's like, that's worse than like Bloodbraid Elf Jun. But that, 
I mean, it's bad for magic. I agree with you, but like just going to yeah. your F and M, like oh, you're playing right, the right. same you, yeah, people, you should still play and they're probably oh, yeah. playing their same decks. You know, right, like, right. so you know, on, on a local level, I don't think it's that bad that you should just stay home and like don't play magic on Fridays or something. Right. No, no, I I don't agree with that, but I would discourage people from buying a new deck before April. Like don't yeah, like, don't go and buy Eldrazi or buy a deck to beat Eldrazi because right. Eldrazi probably won't be around in six weeks. So that's from a financial perspective is what yeah. I would be more concerned about. Yeah, like don't don't go out there and buy like Simeon Spirit Guide into Magus of the Tabernacle dot deck. Like, you know, like, those kind of stuff. Hey, guys, I, I heard Eldrazi are good. I bought 15 oil Eldrazi <laughs> temples and Hayabukis. What do you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so moving along from modern, um, we get into Conspiracy 2, and, and you're pretty excited about this one, Richard. Uh, turns out, as of today, uh, a uh, I guess a character is not returning to Conspiracy <laughs> 2, and we got knocked off one card of the set because Brago was assassinated. So instead of Brago's reign or whatever it was called, the reign of Brago, something like that, Conspiracy uh, 2. The reign of Brago. Uh, yeah, now it's Conspiracy, the Empty Throne. So Brago is no more. Uh, interesting. I'm going to need a Vorthos check on this. So, so Brago's <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> yeah. So he somehow died again by being stabbed by a crystal. Yeah. Um, it was like, a, sure like, about this. like Ghostbusters type thing. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the set itself is exciting, and I yes. think Wizards has lost their minds. I, I don't know what's going on. Uh, so Shadows yeah, like, over Innistrad. Yeah. Eternal Masters. Uh, conspiracy. And they also said that there's a From the Vault. Uh, yeah, and Eldritch Moon. Well, right? So... For some reason, they've decided to give us all the sets at once. Yeah. Um, so that'll be interesting what happens. But Conspiracy is always a good place to look for legacy playables. Uh, <laughs> so that, yeah. that's an interesting set because they, they print kind of off-the-wall cards in the set. So it, it adds a lot of fun things. We had the... Um, what's that voting mechanic called? I forgot. Like Council's Judgment. Will, oh, uh, Will of the Council. Will of the Council. Will of the Council. So that's what they had last time. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what they come up with this time for the multiplayer political matters um, yeah. abilities. We're getting like six sets in like seven months or something like that, right? Uh, Yeah, essentially. I think there's... We get, you, you forgot Eldritch Moon, Richard, too. Yep, yep. So we're getting that as well. Like, <laughs> this podcast is going to be like... Pretty soon we're literally going to be doing spoilers like every single week. It's nuts. I think there's four sets in four months over the summer. I think June, yeah. July, August, and September all have a set release. And that's not even yeah. including the supplementals. Like Dual Deck usually comes out in the summer. From the Vault yep. comes out in the summer. So that's a ton of products all in a short span. Right. And we get an October set. So, right? Don't we? I think that's a September set. Like end of September usually. Oh, okay. Right, right, right. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot. That's like sensory overload. But you know what? I, I, I was talking about this. I think that's a good problem to have. I mean, really, all kidding aside, I, I do think one of the sets will be under-opened. My guess would be Eternal Masters. But I think it's a good problem to have. I mean, we everyone's talking about, oh, reprints, reprints. You know, we need more, you know, product to get that stuff out there. You know, we've talked about that on, on, on this cast, like, numerous times about smart reprints. I mean, here we are. I mean, this is it. You know, this is them putting that stuff out there. I mean, we didn't get the Clash Packs or, 
whatever, they discontinued those. So now we're getting an entire new set to replace that. And I think that's perfectly fine, especially with a set like Conspiracy. And I really like that there's targeted at different, different demographics. Like right. in the, the same crowd that is buying Eternal Masters probably isn't buying Council's Judgment. And some of the people that are buying Eternal Masters and Council's Judgment probably aren't too interested in the standard legal sets because they're playing Commander or Eternal formats. So, right. so I like how even though there's, there's a lot of sets, they aren't necessarily targeted at the same group unless you're one of those people that just wants everything, then it's going to be an expensive summer. <laughs> yeah. No, but and, and you're exactly right. And expand on that. I mean, every set has access to like put really smart reprints and like these innocuous like you know random $20 cards or something like that in a set like Conspiracy I I really love Conspiracy if nothing else and it's just a great set that you can put these you know random cards in there and it really helps alleviate the supply issues of some of these cards like like Exploration for a long time was just like a $20 card you know I understand it was played in lands and stuff like that but you know it was just an older card and didn't have that much supply and you put in a set like like Conspiracy and boom, it's like a five dollar card. Well, I mean, stifle. Or, or a card like Stifle, yeah. yeah. Stifle was like forty bucks right yeah. up until when Conspiracy was printed. Now you can pick up copies for four fifty, and even the yeah. original printing is down to like seven bucks or something. Yeah, I mean, I, I just I love that. I mean, we were just talking about this last last week. You know, I was like, I really wish Eternal Masters was Modern Masters, and they did something like Conspiracy. And here you go. My, now I really wish Eternal <laughs> Masters. Was modern they listen to the podcast like, wait, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make a set real quick. (laughs) I I will say that the one thing I'm disappointed by, and I'll probably say this every supplemental product until it changes, is that we don't get to play these cards in modern. So that needs to change. We need conspiracy. Yeah, those sets need to be able to feed into modern. I think so. I mean, we've been saying that. I mean, something. I mean, commander. Something like this has to be like. I mean, I just don't understand why it keeps feeding into legacy. I mean, we'll get into that point very soon. But even if they made (laughs) it so, so only the new cards were legal in the format. If you didn't, if you wanted to be able to reprint Stifle and not put it in uh, Modern, fine, I get that. But the new cards, we should, we need to have a way to get new cards into Modern without going through Standard, so. Right. Yeah, I mean, it, it, there definitely has to be a release valve in some way. But I mean, I, again, I'm excited. You got, you got Shadows of Innistrad, you got Eldritch Moon, Eternal Masters, and Conspiracy, and all four of those sets are really, like, prime ways to get uh, the supply out there of cards that, that really desperately need it. You know, even if you put like a couple cards in conspiracy that are just these innocuous little cards that are like 15, 20 bucks, some really key common and uncommons like brainstorm. They did that in conspiracy. I mean, I, I would call that really a win because there's also a bevy of other stuff of like commander and, and legacy stuff in there too. That really helps. And the fact that it's, like, reasonable MSRP, so good. Yeah, you can buy, because, like, three packs for the price of one Modern Masters pack. Yeah, and, and that's why, yeah, and that's why I normal said, Normal MSRP, like, <laughs> the other sets are the expensive sets. Yeah, and that's why I said I think if, you know, people are, you know, whether they want to experience most of it, I, I think Eternal Masters might be the set that people forego. 
just because of like a cost constraint. I mean, how many $50 drafts can you do? Yeah. And I mean, there's not going to be by the sounds that much to go around anyway. So right. there probably won't be that many drafts when you'll be yeah, able to I mean, draft conspiracy yeah. for a year. Like you can still <laughs> yeah. buy you the can original still buy the conspiracy yeah. and like, it's still cheap. It's like 80 bucks a box or 90 bucks a box yeah. or something. They're, they still put them on sale. Like they still put conspiracy boxes on sale whenever like any website has a uh, site wide sale. Star City Games and Channel Fireball are still discounting their conspiracy boxes. So they, they like you can barely give this stuff away. <laughs> and so, but but that's great though because then you get really uh re- like you really make a big dent in some of these cards' prices, which is great. Well, does anyone actually play conspiracy? <laughs> like we're all excited for the reprints, like the brainstorms I, and the stipends. I suck at limited, but I mean I think I can overcome that by like teaming up with someone that doesn't suck. And that would that might be fun for me. One of the problems is probably because the mechanics are so wacky, then it would break everything. But they don't put it on Magic Online, so that's where I play most of my limited. So that uh, that cuts down on my conspiracy limited by itself. Yeah, I, I hope they do something for Magic Online because it would be awesome to play. Because finding eight players to to draft this with is going to be hard. Uh, unless your store specifically sets up conspiracy drafts. Uh, so hopefully this time around they put it on Magic Online, but uh, who knows. I think, yeah, I think I think it, it should be on Magic Online. I think it's the mechanics. Like, when you have, like, oh, reveal this card and take another card out of the pack, I really think Moto would explode if they tried to make conspiracy work on Magic Online. Like, I mean, we, just... can't, we, we can't even do basic stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm really I think we're all in this on the same page as we're we're pretty excited for this. Um, there should be some interesting stuff for everyone. Yeah, and like you said, Seth, I mean, every demographic of Magic players gets something, you know, within within all these sets. So it's it's really exciting to have all this product uh, be out there over the summer and in the coming months. Yeah, I'm definitely excited for it. Yeah. All right, so uh, we we mentioned legacy a few times in this in this uh, podcast, but um, I, I think we should move on to uh, the big the big topic and one that uh, I I fully expect to have over and over again. Seth, this is this is uh, a a topic that yourself are vested into as well. Um, there, you know, this is really a grassroots movement that's. That's that's really getting a little bit of traction, interesting players, getting its fair share of conversation, scrutiny, and, and everything that comes with it. Um, so a, a lot of people are talking about the, you know, making a new format called uh, Eternal. Whether people want to agree with the name or not, uh, that's a whole separate issue. But so what Eternal is, format that is devoid of the reserved list and a way around uh, and a solution to... Um, you know, just their, you know, Wizards' inability or, you know, general lack of interest to do anything about the reserve list. So Eternal is really its own format being championed by the community as a byproduct of, you know, not having reserve lists and these, you know, legacy and vintage being heavily beholden to the reserve list. So this is something that you got caught up into. Uh, really, what, what are your thoughts about Eternal as a format? Well, I, I have to start by saying... I really don't know. Like for me, I like the theory and philosophy of Eternal, and I think it fills an important gap between modern, which is more like standard, and a real Eternal format that has stability and longevity. But as far as actually how the format plays, I haven't been able to really jam any games with it. So on that end, I'm just not sure yet. I haven't gotten a real chance to play it. I assume that it'll play a lot like Legacy, 
uh, but with some key differences thanks to the Shocklands, potentially. So uh, so as far as the play, I'm not sure, but as far as the theory and philosophy of it, um, I think it's a really important idea, and I hope it's something that could eventually be supported by Wizards, or that they do something similar, because there is a market for this, and there are people that want to be able to play a real Eternal format, but don't have the ability or, or don't want to take on the risk necessary to play Legacy. So to go deeper, um, and I'll, you know, you have, you can chime in on this too, Richard, as someone who plays Legacy too. Um, I wanted to ask you, Seth, so what do you think about the conversations being held currently about Eternal as a format and just the overall angst or, you know, just, I guess, Legacy players are worried or the community is worried that, you know, and voicing their concerns about this format. What do you, what do you think about those conversations that are happening? Well, uh, okay, let me think. Um, I get that the legacy players in the legacy community is skittish. Like, they haven't gotten much support from Wizards lately. So anything that even kind of looks like it might take away from their format immediately looks like a threat and puts everyone into this, uh, I don't know, state where they're just ready to fight immediately. So I understand why it's happening, but I disagree with, like, their main premise. Like, for me, I don't think Eternal is something that's going to kill Legacy. That's not my goal. I think Legacy is the best format in all Magic. I think I see it as a format that could potentially help Legacy as people who play Modern or play Standard and might have Shocklands and some of the other cards that will be staples of Eternal but aren't really playable in Legacy. Build decks that are similar to Legacy decks and then realize, wow, I can save up some money, get some dual lands, and actually go to a Legacy GP or a Legacy SCG Open. So I see this as something that's good for Legacy players and can potentially help their format rather than what they see it as, apparently, or some of them, as some threat that's going to siphon the life out of Legacy. I'm going to let you chime in, to Richard. Yeah, so <clears throat> I'll give my overall thoughts on the format. And overall, I'm indifferent. Uh, I don't really care. Uh, I don't know why people are threatened by this. Uh, you know, if, if it's something players want to do and there's a community for it, then that's awesome. Right? I think it's awesome that a bunch of people have gotten together and have started a movement for something they believe in. Right. And like Wizards published your article, you know, if you have a format that you want to play, then you should be able to play it. Right. You should be able to organize tournaments, organize communities and stuff and play your format. Right. So in that regards, I think what's happening with Eternal is totally sweet. Right. Uh, as a player, I'm not sure why I would want to play Eternal, right? Um, you know, I, 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 I always complain about this, that every time we talk about Legacy, uh, there are all these people that come up and uh, they, they, they cause a big ruckus in support of Legacy. But when it comes time to play Legacy, no one actually plays Legacy. Um, Legacy Leagues released uh, last week, and I've jammed five or six of them. They are really, really slow compared to Modern or Standard. Uh, sometimes it takes me 10 minutes of searching to find a match. Right. Uh, with with modern or standard, like literally 30 seconds every time, sometimes instant. And if you look at the numbers, uh, popper, standard, modern, they all have a thousand plus players, roughly around there. Sometimes, you know, 900, but generally around a thousand. Legacy has 300. Right. People just don't want to play Legacy for whatever reason. Uh, like Seth, I think it's the best format, but people just don't want to play it. Right. And you can't blame price on moto right there is no reserve list right literally no reserve list legacy is mo moto right you can buy a dual land for 10 to 20 dollars but people just don't play the format for whatever reason so that's why i don't think you know eternal and paper will take off like people just aren't interested in playing old cards right the wizard supported 
you know, quote unquote, eternal format is modern. That's that's their fixed legacy. And that's what they push. And, you know, if you really wanted to play Legacy and price was the barrier, you have Magic Online, but no one does that anyway. So, you know, I, I'm not sure who's targeted towards this. Like, what is the gameplay reason for playing this format? So that's why I'm just indifferent. Like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm not for or against the format in any way. It's kind of just out there. Okay. All right. So <laughs> I think that's a really, really good outlook on the situation, Richard, just to, you know, have that out there. And I, and I really don't disagree what you're saying. And, and I think, you know, everyone I think is painting this picture that people want to kill legacy or this, this format is going to cannibalize it and, and what have you, but that's really not the intent of what this format is and, and what the community is doing in a reaction to all the inadequacies of what all these eternal formats, legacy and, and vintage. And I think it's really more about fixing it in paper. I mean, I, I think like everyone has a chance to go play legacy and go on moto, but I don't know if that's really a, a big solution. Like how do you really market that to people where, Oh, if you want to go play legacy, go play it on moto when moto is not even really that good of a, of a platform. And that's, you know, that could obviously get better. And, and I understand that, but you know, someone like me, when you, when you pitch me moto at all, is like, I don't really want to like, this is not really something I, I want to do, you know? So whether they're playing it on, on moto for that reason, or you just, they don't like legacy. I, I think it could be a, a combination of both reasonings. Now, you know, when you, this, this is more of a fix to the paper world where a large majority of magic players play the game. And it's really hard to sell legacy and really hard to sell like vintage for that matter to the current player base when you have these formats that are beholden to the reserve list and that these these cards that have a hard cap, no matter how you want to talk about it or how any which way you look at it, there's always going to be a hard cap on legacy and vintage. And that just doesn't sound good. You know, in, in a player base of 20 million people now, we're up to like 20 million people as of you know, a year or two ago that, you know, they did these uh, polling and, and, and how large the player base has become. It's like vastly larger than it was in 1996 when the reserve list was made. I mean, why are we still clinging on to a promise that was made in 1996 and you're, you're penalizing a group of players that far greatly outweigh the people that you're rewarding and, and, and enriching and these players that feel entitled to this investment, you know? So, Eternal is a way that you can market a new format. You can go back to uh, the three-format system that they used to have in Standard, Extended, and Legacy. You can return to that by, by doing Standard, Modern, and Eternal. And you give people more of a, a journey and more of a options to play this game. I mean, so people that don't want, you know, that they start in Standard or they, they like to play Modern. And as you're amassing Modern cards... You know, you, you get interested into this last format called Eternal where you get these this kind of additional 10 years of magic that, you know, is, is, is currently forgotten and, and, and on its way out. It's, it's obsolete at this point because they don't support Legacy and Vintage like they used to. Eternal gets out of that promise that they, you know, have to keep these 
reserved list cards, non-printable, and, and not even not even breach the spirit of reserved list, and that always comes into play now. They can't, re- they can't reprint these cards, and they can't even breach the spirit of the reserved list, as we've seen uh, per, you know, uh, Mark Rosewater's replies to some of his uh, questions on his Tumblr blog. So Eternal is a solution to that problem, and between all these sets like Eternal Masters, Modern Masters, all these sets that come out that can weave everything on the table and become reprintable, I think eventually you get to that barrier, you know, you, you break that barrier of, of these cards that can never, ever be addressed and can never, ever come back into the overall supply. I mean, this is not a pitch that uh, this is going to be a cheap format, just so that's out there. And I'm not going to sit here and lie and say this format won't be cheap. It, I fully well intend this format, if it's popular, to be expensive. But at the same time, you're it's going to eventually be where you're getting into this system of you have a year for modern masters you have a year for eternal masters you have all these sets in between you have all these you have all these uh, supplemental products in just introducing new supply to the format and eventually prices come down and you look at a a price point of modern which could it's still expensive to a lot of people but it's it's vastly better than you know legacy where you know, there's there's always that hard cap of, of, of price or not only cost, but just card supply for all these players. So that's really where Eternal is for me. And it's something I can get behind because, you know, especially with all this stuff, uh, all these recent price movements of it. How do you stop that? I mean, how really do you stop that? All, all these reserve list cards uh, very recently, Alluren up 100 percent, doubling some of these cards, doubling, trip, uh, almost quadrupling in price overnight. You can't do anything about that. At least, it, I mean, it doesn't look good even when a modern card does that. But at some point, you you know that down the line, it could be reprinted. These cards can never be addressed, ever. It's not going to happen. I don't understand why people even bring up the argument that, oh, I'd rather see the reserve list abolished than see this eternal format. The reserve, it's, it, it's not going to be abolished. I don't understand why people are holding on to that. Eternal is a solution Bef- you know, a more a, a more realistic solution to that problem than them getting rid of the reserve list. I don't like they've said it numerous, numerous, numerous times that they're not getting rid of the reserve list. It's never going to happen. And in 25 years of this game, it's still around since 1996. It's not going anywhere. And I, it just frustrates me to no end that you have these legacy players that and, and this legacy community that sit there and say, oh, you know, 90% of us want the reserve was gone, and we and we would really love to see people play legacy. It's read on social media, like everyone's just like, oh, reserve the, you know, abolish your reserve list, you know, I want to play legacy. But it's really kind of the stores that are, you know, against it, and the ones that are kind of, you know, being quiet and not adding to the conversation. So I thought that was actually a pretty insightful comment. Well, we, I mean, then that's great that, you know, everyone can sit there and say they want the reserve list gone. Then, then that's that I'm, I'm actually pleased to hear that, that that is not something that's holding people back. Well, that's at least because, what's most upvoted. <laughs> I mean, oh, that's what okay. most people agree with, right? But, well, then maybe that, I mean, I, it would just be unfortunate if that's what they're saying on the outside and deep down, they just, you know, okay, I, you know, I, I just want to say that to, you know, for posterity, for posterity's sake and just so it's out there. But deep down, I, I don't really want them to do anything about it, you know, and that could very well happen. That could very well be everyone's position is, well, I'm going to say I, I want it like this out loud, but deep down, you know, you know, don't touch, you know, I don't want them to touch all these dual lands I have sitting on my, you know, in the safe, you know? Yeah. But I, I don't know. I don't know. Did, did you want to chime in, Seth? 
I think you guys covered it. <laughs> I was just going to say, regardless of what Wizards thinks, if the players want this format, right? if somehow the player base actually like unites and says, you know, Eternal is where we want to be, and, you know, there there is support for it, uh, Wizards will be forced to adopt it, right? Wizards actually listens to feedback, right? Commander yeah. was community-driven, yeah. right? Uh, you know, Popper is community-driven. It, it's it's getting quite popular now, right? Uh, and Wizards will listen. They, they've listened. You know, they, they put back the modern pro tour after everyone complained. Uh, we, we got all jazzy because of that, but whatever, right? So, you know, if, if people are actually very passionate about Eternal and it takes off, right, it, it can be another kind of like third format that everyone plays right but it's kind of up to the community to drive that at this point i don't think wizards has any interest in it but if the voices are loud enough wizards will hear yeah right so i i don't think it's all doom and gloom right if people no no no. play this i think it it can happen no and 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 that's what i really you know and 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 all these i mean i don't want to sit there and, and and say like you know, I really enjoy all the conversations that I've had via Twitter, Facebook, you know, all these social outlets about this, about, you know, the topic and about and really gauge where, you know, players feel about this. Because, it, I mean, most people, you know, are, are like it. They like the idea. They'd be down with the idea. You know, you get your people that are skeptics and, and that's fine. And, and all that dialogue ultimately helps. And, I, and you had a really great insight Mostly, I mean, your your insight overall, Richard, has been fantastic about this, and you're you're absolutely right. I mean, wizards will listen to the community if this is like, you know, what this is what we want. You know, make Eternal pretty much the you know the last kind of format. I mean, if you're not going to do anything about the reserve list, unfortunately, you know, this is to some unfortunate to some. This is what we have to deal with. So you know, let's make it happen, and they'll do it just like they did EDH. I mean, eventually they adopted it. So. I think the dialogue will continue to happen. I think it should still happen. But, I mean, at the same time, I, I, I just don't think, you know, people should be afraid for, for, for the wrong reasons. I mean, if they don't like it for strategic and, and play style, that's one thing. But I, I would at least recommend being open to the idea. Yeah. So I mean, where, where can people learn about Eternal, Chaz? Well, there is a subreddit about uh, Eternal. So it's, uh, you know, the subreddit, um, let me get the URL. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, slash MTG Eternal for all you people that are out there on Reddit. Uh, I There's various articles out there. Uh, there's a Facebook group about it now, uh, about Eternal. So, I mean, it's slowly expanding. I mean, this is something that's really just only started last week. So we'll, I'll be able to provide more information about that. But for now, the, it, you really want to be in the, uh, the subreddit. Oh, and uh, did you did you want to say something, Seth? Definitely. Right. Just give it a shot. I mean, as far as the gameplay, like I said in the beginning, I don't know. I don't think anyone knows how good or bad the gameplay will be. So test it out. Like it's it's uh, it just seems irrational uh, to me to hate something other people are trying to do uh, when in the worst case you just ignore it. Like no one's gonna make you play Eternal. So yeah. if you really don't like the idea, just don't play Eternal. If it sounds interesting to you, check out the subreddit, play a few games, and see what it's like. Like, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying this is the next GP format or this is the gonna uh, a Trump legacy or modern. Like, it's just something people want to try out and see how it goes. So keep an open mind and give it a shot. And if it doesn't interest you, just ignore it and go on with your life playing legacy or modern or block constructed, whatever it is you want to play. Yeah. And just to add on to that, like no one's saying legacy or vintage have to go away. This is just a format that's that's basically the community 
allowing really it allows wizards to win on both ends it's it's more of a solution than waiting and holding on that they're going to do something about the reserve list and it's just a format that could be sustainable and and it's 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 a it's an idea worth pursuing at at this point you know at this juncture it's worth pursuing and it's at least just worth trying out like you said Seth you know worst comes to worst you don't like it you don't play it you continue, can continue to play legacy and vintage it's not going away I mean, this is wasn't this wasn't ever about destroying legacy or vintage. This is more of you know they 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 clearly don't want to keep you know legacy and vintage and support it in in a mainstream way. And this would likely be a a legacy that you know is a sustainable one. This is like a, a format that you know unfortunately to some that really love legacy, there's just not going to do anything about. It. This would be a alternative to that. And you said really something great uh, right before the cast, and I think before we go into fish mail that I wanted to say, uh, you know, a lot of people are skeptic, but, um, and, and even to me, this is something that, you know, this really resonated with me, and, and you said this, it's, it's a stepping stone into Legacy, right? Like, this would be a great way to have people eventually get into Legacy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's how I see it. I don't see it as something that's going to take away from Legacy, uh, but I see it as something where modern players or standard players can buy an Eternal deck, which is most of them so far have been more or less ports from Legacy. That will probably change if the format keeps developing. But So you'll be buying a deck that is very Legacy-worthy just without a few key very expensive cards. And if people like that style of gameplay and get addicted to casting Brainstorms and Force of Wills, there's no reason that they won't, over the course of time, upgrade their mana base and get some reserve list cards and start going to Legacy tournaments as well. So I think that it's, in that sense, to me, it seems like a good thing for Legacy, not something the Legacy community should be scared of. Yeah. All right, on that note, uh, Richard, we have fish mail. Let's do it. All right. From Troy Warrington. Uh, he's Canadian. Good evening. I'm a fan okay. from north of the border. Uh, this is relevant because he's talking about tournament organizers. There are those charging $65 uh, USD for a constructed GP, providing a playmat, a promo, and that's it. They seem to be getting away with it without batting an eye. He mentions GP Detroit. Uh, others charge $60 Canadian, which is probably like $45. Uh, for a constructed event and provide swag such as deck boxes, sleeves, bags, pen, and paper, and gives six packs of the newest set. Uh, he refers to GP Toronto. Uh, so why why are tournament organizers allowed to do this? Does Wizards know or not care? Uh, TOs have been selling out close to or have been selling out or close to it in the past. Will players catch on? Uh, GP Detroit has 2,000 spots available at this time that I'm sending this. Uh, so what's with the terrible EV? of events and why are Canadian events so much better? So, this is a very good question. <laughs> maybe, I mean, just as, uh, just a joking, uh, you know, just to throw that, maybe there's no one wants to go to Detroit, but, uh, <laughs> but I, I actually know the, sorry answer for anyone that lives in Detroit. Huh? I actually know the answer to this. So, uh, so I lived in Seattle, so I went to GP Vancouver a bunch and I'm actually Canadian. Uh, there are Canadian gambling laws where uh, you can't pay tournament entry and not get product. So every constructed GP you go to in Canada, whether it be Toronto or Vancouver, they have to give you packs of sealed, uh, which makes them incredibly good EV now, right? Because you pay basically $45 US, you get to play, you know, a standard Grand Prix, and you get like six packs on top of the normal swag, which is usually, uh, you know, play mat sleeves and stuff like that. So Canadian GPs, constructed GPs, are incredibly good EV, 
due to the fact of like some weird Canadian gambling laws. I guess uh, we need to start moving to Canada. <laughs> I, I, that's that's great. I mean, that's it sucks that we have not adopted something like that. But we don't want yeah. we don't want more gambling laws. Um, no. But what about the high U.S. prices? I mean, we okay. don't have gambling laws, but do they need to charge sixty-five dollars U.S.? So, no. I think I, I think I know the answer to this, or at least I have a, an opinion on it. So. Uh, as we've seen over the last couple of years, GPs have gotten bigger and bigger until we're having almost arguably too many people where we're having complaints about the space being cramped, not having enough bathrooms, so forth. So uh, imagine you start a business where you mow people's lawns and you're charging $20 to mow someone's lawn. And pretty soon you have way more people calling you to mow their lawn than you can possibly do, uh, possibly mow. What do you do? You raise your prices. You start charging people uh, $35 to mow their lawn and some number of people that would pay $20 aren't going to pay $35. So I think this is the way that tournament organizers are attempting to rein in the size of GPs. Like they increase the price that knocks some people out of the GP and reigns in the size to a more manageable number. So supply and demand. Yep. Yeah. And I think that's right. Uh, yeah. Canada is a yeah. tenth of the size of the U.S., so it's not as densely populated. Uh, so it makes and sense why they don't rules. have to raise the prices high, right? Right. And the Canadian gambling and, laws. But well, yeah. uh, so moving on, we have a question from Aaron uh, Zupancic. Sorry, butchered your name. Uh, long time listener, first time emailer. Uh, what do you guys think of the BFZ OGW expeditions online? Uh, how do you think the value of these will change over time? Will the shocks, fetches, and fast lands uh, age differently in value? Um. Well, the one most important thing to remember is people hate foils on Magic Online because yeah, they, they look horrible. So I would not be surprised if there's a huge difference between online and in the paper world. Right now online, I think the prices are mostly comparable to the regular printings. Um, I'm trying to look them up right now to confirm this, but... Yeah, they are they are roughly the same price or even a little bit lower in price in some cases uh, than the the original non-foil. So I would expect that trend to continue. I don't expect them to deviate significantly from the price of the non-foils. And yeah, they really do look awful on MTGO. Yeah, they and look let, really bad. It's not the it, foiling. It's like it's it's hard to see like what's actually on the yeah. card, and it's. I don't know. I've played against a few decks. They've played the expeditions, it, and it's really yeah. hard to tell what they're actually. Yeah, like. it, it's definitely a lot different on MTG. They're, they're, like they look a lot worse. I have to say though, there is if they ever fix foils so they actually look cooler than non foils, that could be a great investment plan in Magic Online. Like to buy these foils that are cheap. If foils yeah. ever look cool and are suddenly worth. Uh, one and a half times or two times non-foils, you could make a ton of money. And all that would take is Wizards redesigning the program, which apparently is happening in 2017, maybe, based on uh, an earnings report uh, right. from a... So, so 2025 is when we'll get it, right? Yes. <laughs> so get your foils now, hold them for a decade. Yeah, like, for the love of God, like, Wizards, like, just copy Hearthstone. Like, you know how their golden cards are not... Yes, I was just it's about animated. to say. You know, like that Just that person that posts on Reddit, like, hey, I animated this art. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah so awesome. Like, 8 million upvotes. Just put that into the Moto client. <laughs> and people gift. would actually yeah, pay no, more money yeah, for these foils, right? Yeah, you literally put a GIF, like, on... Or sorry, I'll edit that out. On the, <laughs> on the card. And you know what's really crazy is I, I curse, like, after the rant. Uh, <laughs> 
you put a GIF on the card, you do exactly what they did on Hearthstone, just like you said, Richard, and there you go. That's a, it's, it's an inherently better foiling system. All right, this question is from Kyle Wiley. Uh, as a group, you guys spend uh, many hours predicting the impact of spoiled cards on power level and the MTG finance market. What cards were you most wrong about when it comes to power level? Uh, which cards were you most wrong about financially? Well, it's like forever, like uh, or in our entire like history of doing this, or just on the past? Or... I don't, I don't know. Oh, man, I know mine. <laughs> well, I mean, I think everyone knows mine, unfortunately. Uh, I, and it's the same card for both. Uh, in fact, I really hated Jace, which is currently like a hundred dollars in the best card in standard. So. I'm glad we got to bring that up again. It had been a couple casts since anyone had thrown that in my face. <laughs> but yes, that is definitely my yeah. answer, Jace. Jace Friends Prodigy. Um, so mine, the most wrong about, has to be Underworld Cerberus. Um, especially because I have all these copies just sitting around still. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I was just, I really botched that one. For me, it would be Jace, but since Seth already used that, I'll, I'll give another one, which is basically the Eldrazi and Oath of the Gatewatch. <laughs> we all saw them, and we're like, oh, okay, that, that's cute. You know, 5-5 five, five for 5, trample, whatever, you know. Well, we uh, did it, but, though. <laughs> but what we didn't know was what would happen at the Modern Pro Tour and what would happen to our beloved format here, where these cards are absolutely terrifying with fast mana. Well, we I don't know that many people <laughs> predicted it would be this bad. So, so no, no. Well, you, t- to be fair, I think our assessments as them as cards individually remain sound. It's just when you take two mana off of these cards, how how much better do they look? And that's where we got it wrong. We didn't we didn't realize like how good Reality Smasher is as a three mana card as opposed to a five mana card. <laughs> Yeah, and, uh, yeah. How, how a Drowsy Mimic is a zero mana card instead of a two mana card. And that's a testament to the power of the lands, not the cards themselves, in yeah. my opinion. No, because, no, and, and, I, and I think that's relevant because I think you said this, Seth, on Twitter, and you're, I, I, you're absolutely right. Like, these cards would be fringe playable in modern. Like, like just straight up, like, as cards individual. Yeah, I mean, like I, you said that, like, Reality Smasher, you know, is a decent card, no one's saying it's not terrible, but, you know, uh, you know, Thunder Maw Hellkite is barely played in modern. Right, they would be fringe, like, they definitely wouldn't be breaking the format, and some of them are probably fringe playable, but it's all about those lands, that's the whole story. But yeah, so just to, just to go back over it, Richard has Eldrazi, I have Underworld Cerberus as a complete miss, and... I think Seth is the, is the heavyweight winner here at uh, Jace Friends Project. That was uh, played in vintage. Why? <laughs> Not even good enough for standard. Failing college. Every format ever. <laughs> Complete failure in college. Oops. Yeah. He's, 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 uh, he's studying and he's getting A pluses in every format. <laughs> Got some tutoring. Uh, at Don Realm, uh, what's the crew's opinion on the likelihood of big-ticket modern card reprints in Eternal Masters? Cards like Liliana, Snapcaster, and Tarmogoyf. 100%. Uh, I think it's a, a, a very good likelihood that we will be seeing cards of that caliber. I Modern cards? I think Liliana is as much of a modern staple as it is a legacy staple. I I take the other the 
the other end on this one. I think we'll see cards of that value, but it seems weird to me that Wizards would reprint too many cards that they could use to sell a future Modern yeah, Masters true, yeah. in Eternal that's Masters. That's true. So that's value-wise, value yes, but I don't expect Goyf, or not even really Liliana in specific in this set. I expect them next year in Modern Masters. Because mm, okay. they can use Force and Wasteland and all these other janky cards they can right. put in yeah. Modern Masters yeah. to sell this set. Although I, I to, to out of those, I mean, I don't think all of those would be in there. That that would be kind of crazy for the EV. But like, if I had to choose, like from that from those three, I think it wouldn't be too surprising to see Liliana the Veil and like Mo- Eternal Masters. No, I agree with that. I think Liliana is definitely a possibility, but I think it'll be weighted away from modern cards. We'll see if yeah. I think, but it'll mostly be legacy, vintage, and, command. Yeah, and and only because, and I come to this question because I, I think. And where I'm coming from is I, I think they might want to split it up, you know, because like, I think if you have Liliana and Goyf and Snap all in Modern Masters, then you're running into that same problem, too. That's that's a good point. And the other thing is we didn't know about Conspiracy when this True. was first announced. True. So they could potentially use Conspiracy to reprint. And that's even a better reprinting spot because it's going to impact prices much oh, more. Oh, yeah. So it's possible that they can put some modern reprints in Conspiracy, and they don't really need to put as many into Eternal Masters. Yeah, you, you actually, you bring up a good point, because did, did Conspiracy really have a high-caliber reprint like that? Like, I know we had stuff like Stifle and... and, and was uh, pretty big. That's I guess Stifle at the time was kind of big, and Exploration was kind of big. So yeah, I guess, but but like a, like an 80 to $100 card in Conspiracy. No, I think they were like... Not that many 80 to $100 cards. So, uh, like foil, foil, yeah. Dak Faden, I guess is the big card, right? But yeah. that's a new card, right? Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm gonna side with Seth. I, I think it, the likelihood is zero. Actually, I, I don't think they'll reprint any of these big cards because there's just so many uh, non-modern legal cards to fill these spots. True. Uh, I think more likely we'll get uh, random modern cards to fill out the limited archetypes. So, like for example, you might get like a Curse Catcher or something in here, which is kind of expensive, but it's not really a chase card, um, just to fill out archetypes. But I, I can't foresee them, you know, putting, like, Snapcaster here. You have, like, so many rares that you need to print, uh, so I, I don't see that happening. And I think Seth uh, hit it, like, it's probably more likely to be in Conspiracy or something like that, or the next Modern Masters. Yeah, Jeebus actually really had a really good list, I thought. But I, I think you went through the EV on that one, and that kind of would be... <laughs> insane wouldn't it yeah i think his list of cards if that was real the average box at current prices would give you somewhere around a thousand dollars <laughs> worth of magic cards <laughs> and we didn't even get into we and i mean not to say his list was terrible i mean it, it was a solid list but i mean that's i mean even the commons and uncommons would be insane I, like yeah yeah there was a little too much value in that one. Even if you want to argue that it'll be a little plus EV, so the prices can right. drop and still be right, there's no way they're going to put $1,000 of value in a $240 box. Yeah. Like, could you imagine, what if that was EV, what would game stores sell packs for? $100 oh. for a pack uh, of, modern yeah. ma- of Eternal Masters? Like, forget, I mean, the drafts alone would be, what, like $200? Yeah. <laughs> Wizards cannot let that happen. People no, that, would yeah, that's flip. Uh, they would be so mad if their stores were charging 80 bucks a pack. Yeah, especially with the supply out there, like, it would be nuts. And it would only increase. Like, you know how, like, Modern Masters uh, 2015 started out kind of high? And then, like, gradually went down as we saw the cards. 
Like, if those were the cards, like, it would start out high and just keep going up. Yeah. <laughs> so you would really do nothing for, you know, the secondary market. Yeah. Make very fun uh, <laughs> flip it or rip it or whatever. <laughs> oh, no, no, that would be awful. I actually saw some guy. I, forgot, I was at a GP and he, he just this guy just strolls up to the vendor table and buys a hundred dollar booster. I forgot what it was. Maybe it's like Legends or something. So he forks over a hundred bucks, opens it, and then just throws all the cards on the table and walks away. <laughs> <laughs> it's like those, those kind of big boom bust, uh, all or nothing packs. There, I'm like, oh man. Oh, he, oh, oh, he got like the life lace of uh, <laughs> instead of the black lotus. He just, threw, he just threw all the cards back on the vendor table and oh, left. Yeah. And it was a hundred dollar pack too. Because I'm like, what is this guy? He's like, <laughs> he just came over and gave a hundred dollars for a pack. Oh, rough. Uh, at Jay Tempkin, our friend Brian Dale. Uh, why hasn't Saffron Olive created a hipster musical theme song? Why the haven't you created a theme song? <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess I just never really thought about it. Is this well, my fault? I, I think Seth sent me some samples once. I did. They were, they were samples of songs, fault. though, so I, I couldn't figure out like how to like, how they would fit as a theme song. Oh, so I said, no. yeah, you can't have like actual songs. And they and well, they were songs that we could use, but um, I, I, mean, they I weren't songs that I had like, Ashmere before the the the, uh, the 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 cast started, but you know, I don't want to run into those issues. Yeah. So they they were all songs that we could use, but I haven't written a song. Maybe I will try to write a MTG Goldfish podcast jingle. Uh, yeah, we need a jingle at least. You don't have to like sing or anything, but <laughs> all right, so we need a jingle. You de- yeah, this is on you, Seth. The onus is on you here. All right, I'll I'll see what I I, can do. I don't have a background like you do, as you so tout every time we get an origin story about your <laughs> hipster musical, you know, table where you you didn't quite want to be part of Magic at first, <laughs> but then you got turned on. So yes, yes. All right, uh, I'll, last I'll, I'll try. All right. Uh, at Josh Pig, if Conspiracy 2 indicates the beginning of more product releases or more large product releases annually, uh, how is reprint equity affected? Hmm. Interesting. Uh, there's there's I, I think it only get, it'll obviously be affected if there's like, you know, seven to eight sets a year or something like crazy like that. But there's there's definitely enough cards in magic that you can dig deep and find some, you know, 15 to 20 dollar card randomly. Yeah, I I don't think that we can say much at this point. Like this just because we have so many sets coming out this summer doesn't necessarily mean that's how every summer is going to be. Right. And as far as reprint print equity, the only thing it really makes me think is that Wizards is prioritizing cashing in some of their their old reprinted cards at this yeah. point in time. Like they they are putting a concerted effort into making money off of these old cards. Like that's what Eternal Masters is to some sense. That's what yeah. conspiracy is and from the vault. So this is the time they're choosing to cash in a lot of their reprints. Yeah, and if you notice, I mean this this only really applies to conspiracy. There are new cards in conspiracy too. So it's not all just about reprints and conspiracy. And when it comes to Modern Masters, they're they're not putting a lot of product out there. So they could always, if they wanted to make like, if they wanted to replicate what they're doing this, you know, next year, you know, come this time, and they, you know, release another Masters or something like that, and then like a set like Conspiracy, there's always going to be cards that can return, you know, and and be reprinted again. Yeah, and I mean they're always printing new cards as well. So right, and that that's that's why I said like when it comes to Conspiracy. There's a really good blend of new cards and some decent reprints that you're not really out, you know, anything if you want to do a Conspiracy 3 next year. 
you could dig deep and find, you know, some ten to fifteen dollar cards again, or you know, five to six dollar uncommon. Well, and and I mean to take that even further, like three years from now, the Oath of the Gate Watch Eldrazi are going to be the cards everyone's saying. <laughs> right. Why aren't they reprinting these? Reprint? <laughs> so they're like constantly making yeah. new cards that yeah, need no, to be you're reprinted right. as well. It'll, like three years, it'll be you know we need Voice of Resurgence, we need you know Abrupt Decay or whatever, we need you know whatever. Right, right, exactly. So they constantly have this new source of cards that need to be reprinted. So it's yeah. yeah. God, I really, I I dread the day when we have to be doing this podcast in a decade or something. You know, we're all playing this game in a decade, and like the battle for Zendikar set is the the set we need to reprint. <laughs> oh, that'll be the day. That'll be awful. Like we really need. Uh, I'm just gonna pull up the set list real quick. <laughs> lumbering Falls. Yeah, we, we need, need Lumbering, lumbering falls. falls. We need it so bad. Oh my god, it's it's fifteen to twenty bucks for Lumbering Falls. We need a reprint ASAP. <laughs> if, if Magic is around in ten years, what do you think the average deck price will be? Probably <laughs> lower than it is now at this rate. Because if they're releasing this many, I mean, I'd have to think at some point they're making gonna make a pretty big dent. Like if they're releasing. You know, if they if they continue this course and they're like seven sets a year and all these sets have like reprints in them or, you know, even with new cards in them, I, I would have to think they're going to make a dent at some point. But most of the deck prices aren't like the miscellaneous cards, right? It's the chase cards. Your, right. your play set of Tarmogoyfs, like how many times have they reprinted that card? Like they're, they're, they're just not willing to print enough of it to drop the price, right? I mean, this is something we talked about, set. So you, you you reprint Tarmogoyf. It may, Tarmogoyf. It may not be the first time. It may not be the second time. But eventually, you keep reprinting Tarmogoyf. It's not going to be a hundred dollar, you know, hundred fifty dollar card anymore. No, but you, you need to reprint it just to maintain, right? Because the game keeps growing. If you don't reprint it, you know, if if he wasn't True. reprinted, Tarmogoyf would be like a three hundred dollar card. I mean, that's that's the big thing is how long can Magic keep growing? Like, is if Magic keeps growing, then prices will keep going up because there's this new demand coming in for these cards. But you wouldn't think I mean, that th that can go on forever. Pretty soon yeah. everyone in the world is going to be playing Magic. Like, yeah, I'll tell you one thing. We we have our issues right now at 20 million. I mean, if we got to Hearthstone levels, like we're talking 100 million people. What what was it, Richard? Didn't you say that at one point? It was like 100 million? I don't remember what the number was. They published it, but it was a large number. <laughs> it, we're, we're in for some really big problems. <laughs> yeah, like, did you guys see that post? I think Seth retweeted oh it about the SCG article from like five years ago. Yeah, and then like Blood Moon <laughs> like, is like five uh, bucks. Oh, get your Blood Moons now; they're they're ten dollars. <laughs> yeah, it it had spiked to four ninety nine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, if we get to like that critical mass of like. 100 million? Oh, man. And who knows? Like, dude, dude $1,500 modern decks would be like, I, I wish we would go back to mid-1500 modern. I mean, this is exactly what Legacy players did like five years ago, right? You're like, this dual land's 50 bucks. Are you crazy? <laughs> right? <laughs> like, it wasn't that long ago, right? Before it spiked, right? And then now we're sitting here with like $500 cards and we're like, oh, this is ridiculous. And, you know, in five years, there'll be you know, $1,500. Yeah. And, and I mean, that same argument would be just as moot as it is now. Like, oh, should have got your, you know, should have got your Temple Gardens when they were nine bucks yep. when they reprinted it in Ravnica, you know, 10 years ago. Are, are we <laughs> going to get to the point where a vintage deck is $100,000? I don't know about that. <laughs> I, 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 that's going to be tough. It, it's definitely going to be up there. Like it, but just look at those numbers of how few of some of those cards are in existence. Like so very yeah. few people play vintage in paper. 
Most people play vintage. I think, I think vintage would seriously be gone before we get a hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> not many people play vintage in paper because most of them like to own homes and cars and things like that instead of just cardboard. Before I have a new format. Vintage, it's uh, it would literally be gone. You have to have a nine plus card to put it in your deck, so all your cards need to be graded and <laughs> it's vintage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, that would uh, be the most expensive format of all time. And it's just going to be funny, like, ten years from now. We need, you know, Oblivion Sower. We need, you know, <laughs> we need Drano, Liberator of Malakir reprints right now. Just, just wait until, like, like Lightning Bolt becomes, you know, like a $10 card. Like, you, you, you talk about these, like, Mythics, which is actually reasonable, but wait till like, Path to Exile and Lightning Bolt and, like, just just look at friggin' Inquisition. <laughs> it's yeah. common. Yeah. That's, uh, yeah. What, wait, what uncommon would be, like, the $10 Severn, vision, Severn Visions, like, 10 years from now, like, right now? Like, $10 silk wraps. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I would feel so bad. That, <laughs> that would feel awful. Epic. That would feel really bad. I mean, we haven't seen, like, yeah, like, $10 transgress the mind. <laughs> I mean, it it could happen if some of those cards, it is, not, really with, not with transgress the mind, but, like, lingering souls or... Yeah. I mean, um, like a card like you know, like blood blood artist. Like how old, how old is Avicen's Restore? Like four years, maybe three, four years. Yeah. And blood artist is like a four dollar card. I mean, you have a card like Zulaport Cutthroat. I mean, without a reprint, blood artist could be like a ten dollar uncommon. Well, I mean, yeah, if they just don't print it for another five years, it's not gonna yeah. just suddenly go down. But yeah, but I mean, Zulaport Cutthroat would be the same thing. I think though, with that's one of the good things about all these reprints this summer is it does show that Wizards is gonna seri- take reprinting seriously and not let yeah. that get too out of control. Yeah, yeah. It's like we listen, guys. Roll Gorgeous Dragon reprinted. <laughs> 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 Here's your Stark of Wrath. We we got you guys. Don't worry about it. Although some of those cards I could definitely see in there. He some of these cards on these lists uh, I could definitely see in there. Like Entomb, you know, Icarid, Goblin Lackey. Like those are definitely cards that are going to be in there. Like I don't know about everything, but I think the, the I think they would do a good job. Jeebus's list I think covered all the best cards <laughs> that you could have in the set. The problem yeah. is, like, he didn't really put in any bulk cards. Like, if you look at Modern Masters yeah. 2015, there's, like, five or ten Chase Mythics, and then you got to have your Ant Queens and, like, those type of cards. Like that's... you got to have your Avatar of Might, I okay, did... at Mythic. I did, I did not see many Ant Queens in his list. <laughs> there has to be Ant Queens. There has to be the Comet Storms of uh, Eternal Master. I think that's one of the things I realized writing my Mythic article is how hard it is to find good red Mythics. So I think it would be hilarious if they put Comet Storm as one of the Mythics in Eternal Masters. Just... I think it has to be, like, ongoing joke now. Like, Comet Storm has to be in every Master set now. Yeah. Because it's good in Even, I love myself some Avatar of Might, but I, I would definitely be pissed to open up an Avatar of Might as, like, my rare and Eternal Masters. <laughs> they... They just do the whole Avatar cycle as mythic. Oh, oh my! <laughs> it's like, would, oh man, that would be terrible. But you know what? I mean, if if you, I mean, if you really think about it, that wouldn't be too far off as like the Praetor cycle in the first round, or like the the dragons. The, 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 yeah, the dragon cycle. There we yeah. go. Yeah. I mean, it, I mean, definitely some terrible cycle like that has to be has to be present. You know, for every for every you know uh, sneak attack, you need your terrible mythic. To sneak attack in like the red Kamigawa dragon, you got to have something to sneak attack. Avatar in. of Fury. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that cycle is ridiculous. Oh my god. Uh, oh man. 
And it was really crazy because one of them was like just like clearly better than all the others. What's the whoa, right? The one that just yeah, kills whoa. things? Actually, you know what? Avatar of Woe wouldn't be a, a, a terrible mythic when you really think about it. Like, it would serve as a mythic in the set. Or is that card, like, really not mythic anymore? What's the condition on it? Is it for, uh, for casting ten, it cheap? Ten or twenty creatures in all graveyards? I think it's ten. <laughs> well, that's, ten. that's a little steep. So if there's ten yeah. creatures in all graveyards, yeah. you cast it for, like, two mana or something? Yeah. Yeah, you cast it for double black. Yeah, yeah double black. I mean, and what is it normally? Seven? Eight to cast a six-five fear <laughs> that and that can just tap to target kill. creature. I mean, man, it's not really. I mean, it's not really a terrible card. Tap to kill a creature is fairly mythic. I think like that's a pretty epic right. ability. Just tap to kill something. But the problem, yeah, is this, like, isn't it a rare? What, what yeah. is its actual rarity? It is rare. rare. They're gonna but, bring it up to mythic. Well, they're gonna. Have well, to I do mean, that not with not for things. not because it is a myth. Like it, it should be a mythic, but just for. Like, like, you, like, we were talking about, like, the Ryusei cycle, like, the Dragon cycle. Like, that card would, like, could fill in for, like, a Mythic. I mean, when you really think about it, right? The feel bags, man. Well, <laughs> I mean, ten dollar pack. <laughs> I mean, listen, you were doing that for Modern Masters, and you got Ryusei. And that I mean, felt bad, man. There has to be a Ryusei. <laughs> there, What's the Ryusei? They're gonna, they're gonna have to upgrade a lot of cards though, because Mythics That's weren't right, a right? thing when most of these cards weren't print. Exactly, so. right? I mean, even like Vizarra the Dreadful, like something like that. I don't know. Yeah, Baron I mean, Singer. Dude, Baron Singer is mythic. That's like one of my favorite cards of all. There you go. Okay, so like Baron Singer. I, I think that's actually on the reserve list, though. <laughs> Wait, are you serious? I need to buy them out before they spike. <laughs> that, that's a whole man's card, my friends. Oh, let me see. That would be really unfortunate. I think he is. I think you're right. Along with like his grandmother and like... Baron Sanjir, there he is. Is he on there? Yeah. <laughs> yep, Grandmother Sanjir, there they are. I'm just waiting for the day I busted out my EDH deck. I'm just wait. <laughs> He's biding his time. It is oh, on the reserve yeah, that's list. that's really unfortunate. But no, I think like a card like that would definitely be, like, could fill in for, like, a mythic. Well, I yeah, I had World Gorger Dragon on my mythic list. Like, that, that yeah, that, yeah. That, it's the same theory, same idea. Yeah, I mean, like, 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 like we said, you need to counterbalance, like, you for every sneak attack, you need a World Gorger Dragon. Like just yeah. some terrible mythic, yeah. Because I, it, it, because the 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 push for this was not just for legacy, right? Legacy players like they want cube and commander and like casual players to buy this, right? Right, and I mean like cubers and all that. So like mythic, I don't know. And for me, oh. I think wizards learned a big lesson with the first modern masters when everyone right. got so mad that stores were doubling MSRP to sell packs. Yeah. So they're, I think they're going to try to avoid that by not making a thousand dollar EV of a box because that's what's going to yeah. happen. Like they, they don't even make that money. Like that money goes to the stores and wizards right. gets all the headaches of angry players because they're paying so much <laughs> for their boosters. So I just don't think they yeah. can reasonably so, do that. You, but so without, but without the supply of that, I mean, that is going to happen to some extent, right? I mean, it obviously depends on what's in the set. It didn't happen with Modern Masters 2015 right. because they right, kept the true. EV down low, raised the price three bucks MSRP. So I think it depends right. on how much value they put in. The so set. maybe maybe we look at a top heavy mythic again, and then like the rares and like uncommons kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that's possible. Or they could spread out the value more and just uh, not put all the most valuable cards in the same set. Right. No, because I mean, if you if, if if the value is in mythic, then like when you open a mythic, you know you're getting at least a decent mythic, right? Yeah. You, like I, all the mythics in Modern Masters 2015 were pretty good. I mean, when you really look at it. So when you open a mythic, like there's never a feel bad when it's like 
a rare you can kind of stomach, all right, it's like just a terrible rare. Yeah, I think that that was probably part of the idea. And that made Comet yeah. Storm look all the worse, because that is like the bulkiest of all mythics. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Um, it, I, I think that's it for fish mail. And I think we covered everything. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. Uh, I think that wraps up this podcast. We will do this next week. Thanks for everyone for, for you know, writing to us, giving fish mail. Uh, we love answering them. And we will do this next time. So this is going to be the crew signing out. And, uh, yeah, we'll uh, continue on uh, next week.